But the name of this series is Disappointed, and it's kind of a weird series. You're like, I don't know if I want to come back and hear this series. But yes. Oh, <laughs> you're just praising the Lord, I think. Um, life can be full of disappointments. And over the next two or three weeks, I'm going to show you how to deal with disappointments, where they come from, and what to next week, I'm going to tell you what to do with disappointments. It's going to be a really, really interesting thing. Just as a side note, this coming Sunday is our young adults family night. So if you are 18 and above, out of high school and above, uh, don't forget our young adult um, family night coming up. Now, if you look up the, um, I'm going to kind of have to get used to this being on this side. I asked it to be on this side tonight. Look at the definition of disappointment because you might be thinking, well, Jonathan, I don't deal with disappointment because those are things that people that harbor things for a long, long time. But let's look at the definition. A sad or displeased because some, someone or something has failed to fulfill one's hopes or expectations. And we've all dealt with times in our lives where our hope in something or someone or our expectation in something or someone has failed us. And there's different degrees of reactions. It might be where, you know, you were fine with it and it affected you a little bit, but there might be other situations where it affected you pretty largely. And it's been a couple of years since that's happened and it still is fresh on your mind. So disappointment comes into our, our lives to do some things. And if you're, if you're filling in your notes, does anybody need fill-ins, by the way? If you need notes or a pen, we'll run the, get those to you. Disappointment will try to do several things. It will try to rob your peace. So anytime that we deal with disappointment, whether we um, deal with it through the Lord or if it comes to, to try to take root in our hearts, it's going to try to rob our peace. It will try to paralyze your emotions. Um, if there's anything that, that we tend to deal with the most is that when we deal with a disappointment, when the memory of that comes back, you may go a period of time where it doesn't really affect your mind or your thoughts, but then a memory or something triggers that and all of a sudden... It's like it's fresh all over again. You're back at the day that it happened and it tries to paralyze your emotions. The next thing, it tries to steal your hope. I think that's one of the saddest parts of disappointment is that we were created by God to live in a perpetual state of hope, that our heart was meant to be fueled by hope. And disappointment can come in and try to steal that hope in our lives and make us think that there really, um, really isn't hope for the future. And there is. It will try to plant in your heart. That is the enemy's number one tactic or number one agenda for disappointment because, because everybody will deal with disappointment. But what does he want to do with it? He wants it to plant in your heart. He wants it to take root. He's going to do it subtly and craftily. He's not going to make it obvious, but he's going to little, little by little say, remember what they did or remember what they didn't do or remember what didn't happen. And it could be something that in the vast majority of people's minds is very minute or minuscule, but in your mind, it was a big deal. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever had something happen to you that everybody else is like, well, that's not really a big deal. But to you, you were like, that really affected me. That really did something to me. And that happens to all of us, but we have to be aware that the enemy will try to come in and cause that to take root in our life. Disappointment often comes through others that are not pleased with themselves. Usually people that have been a party to a disappointment. And I had this. I, I said something in class to a student yesterday that just was, it, I was just in jest, but then it was just kind of cruel when I thought about it. And you know, I, and he just kind of looked at me because I was just, you know, being silly and, and it affected him. And I had to apologize to that student in front of 
all the class. And I didn't mind that, but I thought, I, I need to make that right with him right here and now. And, and then I told the class after that, I was like, anytime that you're wrong, don't ever, don't ever be ashamed or afraid to admit that you're wrong. So really people that, that generally want good for other people's are gonna try to attempt to make that right. But usually deep-seated and residual disappointment comes from people that, that really, they aren't pleased with themselves. Anybody that's pleased with themselves doesn't really have a hard time saying, you know what, I blew it. I really did that wrong. I really am sorry for what I did. But people that just kind of go around life and just displace disappointment or place disappointment, they aren't pleased with themselves. So people that disappoint, this may help you, but people that disappoint, there's usually some character traits that follow them, is that they're, in, they're, they're not interested in your emotional needs. Um, and I think that's part of the, uh, what do you call it, the the hitch that comes to people is because you're at a state of that really affected me and they really are at a state of I really don't care. And so you're dealt with you're dealing with somebody that really is not interested in your emotional needs yet they're sending things your direction that are affecting your emotional needs. That person, people that disappoint, often are looking out for themselves. And these aren't things that we just go around and label people and brand them and slap it in their face, but these are ways of, of understanding people that disappoint on a regular basis or really apply this into our lives. They're coming from a perspective where they, don't, they aren't interested in your emotional needs and, and they really are just looking out for themselves. The third thing is this, is that they're trying to fill a void in their own lives. So they're what do you, maybe not knowingly doing things in other people's lives and all the while they're trying to fulfill an emptiness that's in their own. Have you ever dealt with somebody that you were trying to resolve a conflict with that person and the only thing that they could talk about was how it involved them or how it affected them? They never um, validated your feelings on it or if they did, it was kind of fleeting. Yeah, I understand how you felt that way, but, but the way I felt was this way. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but I was... And so that's the type of person that you have to watch them creating that root in our lives because they really are trying to fill a void in their own lives. And the fourth thing is this, is that person will try to drain the energy out of the people that care in return. This is really the sad part of dealing with disappointment. When there's um, a dichotomy of sorts where one person, if you'll just allow me to say, doesn't give a rip <laughs> and the other person cares. And so you have two people coming at a situation where one doesn't care, doesn't give a rip, and the other one's like, I want this to work or, or, or work out. And so what happens is this, and I want to illustrate this. So uh, Tony, come on up here, and uh, you'll be my, my illustration for this. So here's what happens. Is you, have you ever known people that they walk around with a straw? It's stand right here. Stand right here and just face the people. And here's what happens is they, they walk around with a straw, and then they come up to you, and they... <laughs> they try to suck the life out of you. Have you ever seen, you know, you just can see them in a room. They walk in a room and they're just looking for somebody, especially in church. That's the worst part. Is that they go, and then there's not just the people that suck the life out of you, but then there's like the people that are really good at it. 
They're super good at it. And so here's what they do is that they not only suck the life out of you, but they got super, they got superpowers and they want to. And that's all they do is they walk around and they're trying to, what are those? So they're, so they have mega strength on that. So we all deal with, y'all give it up for Tony. Give him a hand. So we all deal with people that can suck the life out of us, and there has to come a balance of sorts. One of the balance of sorts that has to come around is that you still have to appreciate and love that person, but at the same time, you don't allow them that privilege in your life. And so there's kind of a delicate balance that we all go through where you love that person, that you are genuinely reach out and, and are kind and all that to them, but at the same time, you don't give them access to your heart, not readily or easily. Galatians 6, 9 says this, for we must not grow tired of doing good. This is the, this is the part right here whew, that drains people that give the most. The unfortunate part about relationships is that you can be giving and giving in a relationship and the other person just takes and takes and takes. And what ends up happening to that is that you get tired, you get weary, you get burdensome from somebody that's always taking from your life. And the word of God says, let's not grow tired in doing good for we will reap in proper time if we don't give up. Another version says that we don't lose hope, that your life has to be full of hope where you think, where you don't base your happiness and your reward and your peace on what somebody else does, but you pay, base your happiness and reward and your peace on what the Lord has provided for you. Here's what... Our title of our series is Disappointed, and I want to take a spin on it right here that I want to show you. Go to the next one, guys, that you have been appointed to do things. So disappoint is the antithesis of this. So you've actually been appointed to live in. Let me show you what you've been appointed to live in. You've been appointed to live in peace. Now, this is not always a reality of life, but we always have the promise of living in peace. We always have the promise, go to the next one, of living in joy. Your heart, your mind, your emotions, your well-being, everything that surrounds your daily activity is designed to live in a perpetual state of joy. Why? Because the word of God says in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasures evermore. That won't be through that first 15 or that quiet time when we take our hearts before the Lord, that it, it takes us to a place where we can live in joy. The next thing is this, is that you are appointed to live whole. Don't ever let the enemy think, uh, tell you that, that you weren't meant to live whole. Now, that doesn't mean that you're whole immediately and every, every mark of, of this world and your uh, human nature just flies away, but you are on a state to wholeness. The word of God says that he is preparing for himself a glorious church. What does that mean? That Jesus is preparing our hearts for him. And so we are on our path to wholeness. You are also, this is good, you are also appointed to live in rest. Disappointment does not bring rest. Disappointment brings unrest and uneasiness. But you were appointed, not disappointed, you were appointed to live in rest. And the last thing is this, is that you were appointed to live in love. Here's what, here's what we... What Galatians 6, 9 says is that when we don't, lose, we don't lose heart in doing good, because watch what happens right here on your last villain of this section. The last villain does this, is that be dispensers of good in the midst of disappointment. 
I, I had a situation two times this morning that I really wasn't looking for, and it was kind of odd situations. One, I was walking through the front office and in, uh, of the school, and then the other one was during second period, and both situations where I just encountered in a moment's, in just a moment's notice, somebody whose heart was broken. And in both instances, I didn't, I mean, I was just walking, doing my daily thing. And, and in that moment, the Lord placed me right there just in, in both, it was weird because both situations, I just put my arm around, I said, it's going to be okay. So you never know what you're walking around being dispensable of. And God says, I want you to walk around and dispense good. Even in the midst of disappointment, you can be dispensing good. Here's what we have to understand. Number two is why have, we have to understand what we're facing, that as humans, as this side of heaven, as people that can be disappointed is what we're facing. And here's the, it's kind of a weird next fill in, but people are not our issue. People are not the issue. We can too often play, so it's a, that person did this, and I'm about to show you, it is not people. Don't ever tie a disappointment to a person because it's hard to love that person I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying give them carte blanche to your heart, but it's hard to love a person when you've attached to that person all the things that they've done wrong. Never tie a sense of, no, I just said it. Never tie a sense of, of disappointment. Where are we at, guys? Did we already feel that other one? Never tie a sense of disappointment to a person. And I'm gonna show you what to do with that in just a second. So the next one is be wise in your dealings with people, but don't apply hurt to them. And I'm going to show you just a second how to deal with that. That's the hardest part of dealing with disappointment. Have you ever had that where something happened and just that person's name comes up or the mention of them or the thought of them, and then you're like, <clears throat> try your best and, and, and go to the Lord about it, that you don't tie that sense of disappointment to a person. Let me show you in Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, for our battle is not against people. Another version says it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against natural people, but it's against the rulers, against authorities, against world powers of darkness, against spiritual forces in the evil, of evil in the heavens. Stay on this for just a second, guys, that what you deal with, this isn't in your notes, but what, when you're dealing with a hard issue of hurt, pain, rejection, or whatever, those are spiritual attacks on you. And anytime, anytime you're, this is good, this is the Holy Spirit, anytime that your mind is not at peace, that's the enemy. Because you were designed to always live in peace. Anything that's apart from the hope of God in your life is straight from the enemy. He never will send confusion and disease in your mind. He will never send it. So what do we do? Anytime that we're dealing with, that we're, we're in a battle, we have to understand that it's not with human people, it's not with that who relative, it's not with that best friend, it's not with that girlfriend, that boyfriend, it's not with that family member, it's none of that. It's, it's always wrestling against spiritual things that are going on. The enemy is so subtle that he will come into our lives and he will send it a, a, a what do you call it, a kind of a hidden way. We'll try to attach it to people and it's the enemy the whole time. Why? Because there's a war in our minds. And this war will never be over until we reach eternity. I hate to say that, that this, this war will never be over until we reach eternity. But let me also say this. It's a war, it's a battle worth fighting. Let me say the next thing. It's a battle that you'll always win. 
because you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. So your, your, your uh, spiritual senses will always be at war with what's going. As long as there's a devil, as long as there's an enemy, we'll always be at war. But it's a war that we'll always win. I'm going to show you. You're like saying, well, that doesn't sound encouraging. Next week, I'm going to show you what to do with that spiritual battle. Oh, it's going to be fun. The enemy will use people of good and bad intent to attack your mind. That's oftentimes it is people that you love that will send something your way. And, and obviously we already talked about people of bad intent to who use either one. Once you've been dealt disappointment, here's the thing, deal with it directly. Deal with that disappointment directly. Unfortunately, in the minds of a lot of people is that we go into a sense of denial. We go into a sense of, of uh, I don't want to deal with it. I want to talk about it. I want to think about it. And that's really not the truth because it's all we do end up thinking about. Amen? So here's what I, this the Lord gave this to me the other day. I was um, dealing with something. I'll just be a little bit candid about it without giving away too much detail. But I had a, a text from somebody that was once in my life and just kind of the text accused me of a whole lot of things and that were not true. And there wasn't a thing I could do about it. And isn't it funny that they always text you at 11 o'clock at night? Oh, I like to sleep. <laughs> and so, you know, that was just rehearsing in my mind. And actually, it was kind of interesting because I had already decided to do this series, and then I dealt with it this week. And what I'm about to show you, the Lord showed me what to do with it. Because there I was at one o'clock in the morning thinking, how could somebody even say that of knowing all the things that, that are true about the Word of God and about what I stand for and so forth and, and think that I was a bigot and think that I was, that I was striking fear in people's hearts and, and all the things that came my way when it came to that. And so you can deal with, and this is what the Lord showed me to do, things like rejection. When you're rejected of good things that you've done in people's life, and obviously the title of our, and these are in thought bubbles. I wasn't too creative, so Melinda cut these out, so that's why they're not very good. But anyway, I'm just kidding. Where is she? <laughs> she's, she's never going to help me again. <laughs> oh, she's like, you're done. You're done. <laughs> I just had to stir her up a little bit. She's still quiet back there. Accusation. And so this is what the Lord showed me to do. Because, you know, you're thinking about, all, you're rehearsing your mind. And here's the interesting about, thing about it is you start rehearsing your actions and your um, motives. And you're like, really, was I really bigoted? Was I really? No. And, you know, the Lord just kind of had to minister to my heart that you did everything that you probably, well, I don't claim to be perfect by any stretch of the imaginations. And I told that person this. I said, if you're looking for somebody that's claiming to be perfect, I will tell you right now. I have not been and never will be. But the Lord showed me this. He said, are any of these really my heart for you? Is really disappointment the heart of God? No. Is really rejection something God sends your way? No. Is really accusation something God sends your way? No. So here's what the Lord showed me to do. And he said, do this. He said, I want you to see what was sent your way. And here I've placed them in here. And he said, and I want you to bury them. And so I've, in my heart, in my mind, took what was said and buried it. Something that's buried is dead. And there's a lot of things that people have done and said and been, a, been accompanied to you in your life that you need to bury it. Don't go dig it back up. See the, and this was the cool thing that the Lord showed me. He said, Jonathan, see the death of that in front of your eyes because it's trying to live. 
It's trying to take root. But take that. So whatever you might be dealing with when it comes to disappointment, is if it takes you, and you can have this dirt, and you can have this bucket if you want, and I've even got more of this little cardstock here, and write it on there and bury it. But more than physically doing it, in your heart do it. See that thing dead. And anytime that it comes up again, when you deal with it directly, when it comes up again, remind yourself, no, that's dead in my life. Those thoughts, those, those accusations, that disappointment is dead in my life. So isn't that good? I love, the, I love what the Lord uh, gave me. So watch what the Lord gave me instead in Psalms 121. It says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains where my help comes from. The enemy not, wants nothing more, even if you bury it, than you be down here digging in it and trying to... to, to. Here's, the, here's the crazy part about living in disappointment is you really do want it to heal. You really do want it to be different or be better. That person that did that for you, your heart is, man, I wish I could redeem that, that relationship. I could redeem that situation. But none of us are over there at the, the cemetery digging up dead people. That's gross. So don't do it with what's come your way either. We wouldn't go dig up people out of the cemetery, but we will a lot of times dig up the disappointment in our life. And the, and the remedy to that is what it says in Psalms, to lift up your eyes. You can't dig up dead things if your eyes are lifted. Consider them dead, consider them gone, consider them buried, and go forward. I'll lift up my eyes toward the heaven where my help comes from. Look at the next verse. I'll live this. My help comes from the Lord. That in when you're dealing with something, that the help doesn't... Can I help you with something? Your help will never come from that person redeeming that situation or not. It will never come from that situation. It will never come from them. Your redemption in every single one of those situations is going to come from the Lord. He's going to be the one that, here's the cool thing. He knows every single part of how you feel and what you've been through. And he's the one that knows how to get you through it and the parts of you that need to be restored and healed. But you got to lift up your eyes and let him redeem you. The maker of heaven and earth. Go back to the, to the scripture real quick. The maker of heaven. And earth. I love the psalmist. He said, from my help comes from the Lord. And if you ever were concerned about his ability, he made heaven and earth. So my life is no big deal to him. Your next feeling, the root of disappointment will only occur when the focus changes off of the Lord. When our hearts change and we try to think about that situation, then, then God will be the, not our focus. So, hey, Colton, can you take care of that prop for me real quick? I left a prop in the closet. Can I show you these uh, uh, verse? Has anybody heard uh, of Amanda Cook? He, she's a singer. So this song, Pieces, if you don't, this is a new album offer called Brave New World, and this song, Pieces, I want to show you the parts of these lyrics real quick. I listen to this song, Good, Good Father, and I listen to Pieces. Go to the next slide on Pieces. Probably this every day, and I had the art on there, but it didn't transfer. Your love's not fractured. It's not a troubled mind. It isn't anxious. It's not the restless kind. These are lyrics from this song, Pieces, but it's, it's not fractured. I love this. It's not a troubled mind. That whenever you're dealing with a troubled mind, that's not God's love. Whenever you're dealing with anxiety and being anxious, that's not God's love. And of the restless kind. So this is a wonderful song. Write this song down. It might be in your notes, but pieces. And go spend $1.29 and buy that. You'll, 
You'll just do it. Do it right now. Get on your phone and buy, buy that one. I love this next verse. First, uh, first John 4, 18 says this, for there is no fear in love that when we live in the love of God, instead, perfect love drives out fear. Um, so I've been kind of been on this campaign of, if you've noticed any of my hashtags. Special delivery. Oh, you have something for us? Thank you, sir. So, just been delivered, hopelessness, I guess. Whoever made these boxes, I guess it was me. So, the enemy is going to try to deliver stuff to you. And do we accept deliveries from the devil? So, what do we do with deliveries from the devil? Send them back. You ever heard of the thing called return to sender? You know what return to sender means? Like if you get something in the mail that you don't want, back in the day, y'all wouldn't know about this, but these the people about my age, y'all remember the Columbia CD Club? Buy 10 CDs for a penny, <laughs> and they send you a million, and it just costs you about $3,000. <laughs> so the best thing to deal with stuff like that is to write return to sender. So do we hold on to this? That was a weak no. I said, do we hold on to this? No. I said, do we hold on to this? No. no. So here's what we do with this. If the devil brings this, you just send it back to him. Return to sender. So I've been kind of on this campaign of, of uh, take back your joy. You'll notice that I hashtag a lot of stuff, and I even, I don't know if I hashtagged a... Uh, Special delivery. worry. He's delivered another package. So I could open this. Should I open it? No. Are you sure? Should I just go ahead and open this? Well, maybe I'll just hold on to it and wait for like Christmas time. And then when Christmas comes, I'll open this, huh? Should I open it? No. Oh, well, what should I do with it? Oh, I'm sorry. Just, do I just keep it? Maybe save it for a rainy day and maybe I just feel sorry for myself. It's a rainy day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to worry. No, what do I do with this? I'm sorry, that was like weak. What do I do with this? Huh, what? Oh, okay, return it to sender. All right. Hey, punk. Ow! <laughs> he had it coming to him. Lost my place again. All right. So I've been on this, I've been on this thing of take your, about two years that I've been on this thing on take back your joy. And I hashtag everything with take back your toy because I understand and realize that there is an attack on our joy. Special delivery. Thank you. <laughs> What's he delivered now? A little fear. I don't know. Fear, you know, they say there's a healthy level of fear. You know, you should have a little bit of fear. You get on an airplane, you should be a little bit antsy. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no. What do you think? Should I open it? No. Let me just open it real quick. Let me just see it. Are you sure? Yes. Come on, let me just see what's inside of it. Are you sure? What should I do with it? Send it back. Do what? Send it back. I don't know. What should I do with this? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say? Oh, here we go. Hey, punk. No Ooh. more. <laughs> All right, you guys give it up for Colton, who was our devil tonight. Come on. 
<laughs> I was hoping he'd whip or nay-nay in the middle of that. <laughs> and actually, Danny was our voice of the devil back. Y'all give it up for Danny. He was our voice of devil. And Topher was our doorbell. <laughs> Yay, Topher! <laughs> so it was, no, it was no big deal for us to under-recognize something that came from the enemy. And you have to, on his onset, shove that stuff right back at him. That don't hesitate, don't contemplate it, don't wait for the right time, but open. You left the door open, devil. <laughs> but throw that stuff right back at him. And I got this off of a kid's church. I always steal all my stuff from Miss Sheila on, on kid's church stuff. And so this guy was telling us about him doing that illustration in kid's church. And he goes, you have to walk. That's why I kept on having y'all scream, what do I do? What do I do? And he said, you got to be careful because some of those little kids in there aren't like regular church going kids. <laughs> And so he said, they'll hardle her out profanity. <laughs> so you have to be careful. Like, shove it up. <laughs> Can you imagine these little kids? <laughs> Tell them to go to. <laughs> the enemy is going to design things that are meant to rob your life. He's going to design it. Rob it. That's why I had... Uh, Daniel back there saying special delivery. He has something that he has designed specifically for you that's meant to rob things out of your life. Just send it back. I don't care how tailored and how much designed it was for you. Send the stuff back to him. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but they're powerful through God to the demolition of strongholds that we have to know that anything that's trying to take root in our lives, that the word of God it has the ability and is the ability to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, and another version says casting down imaginations. That's what happens is, is we start imagining the situation. We start imagining the hurt. We start imagining the motive of that person. We start imagining what we went through. Go to verse 5. And every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and what we do is we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So just like you did not hesitate at all, when the special delivery came, you said, throw that stuff back. And that's, that's how we take every thought captive. The Lord showed me that. He said, I, I took the captivated, I took the thoughts that were in here, that were trying to take root in my life, and I buried them. I made sure that they did not try to captivate my heart. If you don't, this is, this is the Lord right here on this one. If you don't take your thoughts captive, they'll take you captive. Taylor, if you'll come on down, don't let them have that power over you. If you have to seek the Lord every day, all day, and say, Lord, I submit this to you. Lord, I submit this to you. That there will come a point where it becomes a little bit easier than it was the time before. Make your thoughts, I love this right here, make your thoughts obey the Holy Spirit inside of you. Have you ever had that where you're just th your thoughts were just going a million different directions and you felt like you were just in a tornado of thoughts, a tornado of, this, of whatever was going on? Stop that tornado and say, thoughts, you know what? You're gonna obey the Holy Spirit inside of me. And these are some easy steps on how to do that. Number one on obey making your, is speak the word of God over your life every day. Through the first 15 thing that we do on the back of your handouts, and I'm going to plug it again. I should just start carrying Sarah Young's book, Jesus Calling, around me. If you don't have a copy of Jesus Calling, get a copy. 
of Jesus calling. Every single day is powerful and word, what do you call it, just full of the word of God. Speak that word of God over your life. The next thing is seek God's face in prayer. There's no way anything can try to stay in your life in the presence of the Lord. If you really get to that place where you're seeking God in his face. And the last thing is worship the Lord for his goodness. The Lord is good. He's a good, good father. So worship him. Uh, Psalms 42, 11 says that, why are, you, why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become restless and disquieted, with, disquieted within me? Hope in the Lord and wait expectantly for him. For I shall praise him and the help of my countenance and my God. For the sake of time, let's fill in our last fill-ins. Disappointment often comes because we put an expectancy in other people instead of God. And I, I wonder what the face of God looks like when our expectancy is not in him and in somebody else. And I have a feeling that, have you, have you ever had that where you were just passed up by somebody? Maybe you were in a room, somebody walked in the door and you're like, hey, I know that person. And then they just walk on by you and don't even acknowledge you. And you're like, I think that's how the Lord feels when we put our expectancy in other people. Instead of saying, you know what? Every ounce of my hope needs to be in you. The imbalance of expectancy will always create disquiet in our lives. If there is an imbalance of expectancy and the, our expectancy is leaning toward what other people provide instead of what the Lord provides, it will always create disquiet in our hearts. Well, and it's not, it's not the Lord being cruel. And it's not the Lord trying to always get our attention, even though he may use that. But I'll tell you why it creates disquiet and imbalance. Because you were created and designed to trust him. That's what faith is. So when you are, when you are trusting him and your faith is in him, then that equilibrium of quietness comes back. But anytime there's an imbalance there, disquiet will always come. Hebrews 12, 2 says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. You mean, Jonathan, that I can keep my eyes on him all the time? He wants you to. He wants to capture a heart. Why? Because, and I've said this about 14 times tonight, go to the next villain, because he's a good, good father that is actively involved in my well-being. If you want to add this, he is actively involved in the wellness of my mind. Actively involved. He has amazing things in store for my life. And the last villain is that he wants my life, wants me to live in his wholeness. It was kind of weird, like I said, starting this series because I wasn't quite sure what to call it or how to call it, but I hope it's been helpful for you tonight. But I just had a feeling and I had a sense, and especially after what I kind of experienced this week, that we never know if we're not currently living in it, we never know when disappointment will come and how to deal with it. Next week, I'm gonna show you how to deal with disappointment that tries to linger, and I'm gonna show you what to do with it, which is gonna be amazing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, is there anyone in this place that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior? And before we go any further, I want to give you that opportunity.
And if that's you, I just simply want you to raise your hand where I can see it, and then you can put it right back down. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to draw you to the front. I just want to know, do you need the Lord tonight before we leave? The next question is this. Is your heart away from the Lord right now? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to ask you to come down. I'm not going to have you stand up or anything. I just want to lead you in a prayer right where you sit. If that's you, raise your hand. Say, Jonathan, my heart's away from the Lord right now, and I need to bring it back to him. Okay, I'm not sure that I saw any hands, but let's go and just pray a a prayer of dedication. So let's just say it together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I bring to you my hope. I bring to you my appointment. I bring to you my life. And I ask you to bless it for your glory in Jesus' name. Father, I lift up every life that's heard this message tonight. And I thank you, God, for the power of your Holy Spirit and the hope that you've placed inside of us. And I'm asking you, God, that it would produce seeds of righteousness and wholeness in every single heart that's listened. That anything that the enemy would try to come in to steal the word of God, that it would be rooted in good soil and show fruit in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen.